Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Ira Mayer. Ira is Vice President of The Basement, an integrated agency that studies data to uncover market insights, which enable strategic, targeted, and effective marketing, as well as advertising campaigns, and which was awarded Indianapolis Business Journal's Fast 25 designation for private growing companies. Ira carries responsibilities for client strategy and oversight of the agency's overall media strategy, operations, and analytics disciplines, and heads the agency's integrated agency operating model. Today, Ira is going to be sharing his passion with leveraging the convergence of marketing, technology, data, and automation to optimize the customer experience and maximize long-term business outcomes. We're going to learn what works from Ira's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Ira, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to. I'm excited for the conversation. Well, I had heard that you are a self describe reality star addict. Is that true? <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately, yes, very yeah. much so. Very What's much your so. favorite reality show? Um, I think my current favorite reality show is probably the Below Deck franchise on Bravo. I have family members who love Below Deck. I, I just, I don't know what it is, um, but it, I think it is that I envision myself you know, every time I watch it on a yacht in some beautiful tropic climate that is so much unlike where I live. <laughs> you should talk it. Yachting is fun. You oh, I, I, yeah. yeah, I know. I just w wish I could do it every day versus, you know. <laughs> so That's how fun. did you, Ira, get here today? What was your career path that landed you at overseeing your agency and, and doing all the things that you guys do digitally? Yeah, so uh, I started my career with every intent of uh, being the next Jim Nance. Uh, I studied play-by-play -play, uh, broadcasting in college. I was a DJ. Um, and I, uh, you know, my way through college, I was super jazzed to, to you know, call the NBA finals or whatever the, whatever the case would be. And as luck would have it, uh, just a little bit more than halfway through my undergrad uh, collegiate career, I realized that the people who call the games, there's like one in you know 100,000 who are successful and, and make a really meaningful life for themselves. But the people who uh, own the various properties on which those broadcasts are transmitted, that's where that's where the you know the ultimate shareholder value is. And so I pivoted to um, a business degree uh, with the idea that I would somehow be involved in in the media space. Started my career. Um, in, uh, so I live in Indianapolis. This is where the NCAA and actually the National Federation of High School Associations is headquartered, but you probably don't really uh, know that. But I started my career working on that and building uh, a, a media network for high school sports across the country. So that was kind of my entry. It just so happened uh, that I was doing that work uh, at an advertising agency that had originated a couple of media networks through service to um, Indiana University and Purdue University way back 
um, way back when uh, kind of networks were not really that cool. Um, and uh, so I was, I was in that space and I was just introduced to marketing and advertising just by the adjacency of I was doing my work, they were also doing that, you know, on the other half of the agency. And I became, uh, you know, increasingly familiar or, you know, interested and familiar with some of the tactics that they were using. That firm specialized in branding and was, you know, very much focused on upscale delivery and absolutely curating every single touch point um, that a consumer would, would see. And uh, as I made my way to the basement, I did so because I realized that the, I mean, this isn't groundbreaking, but the market is going to a place where the ability to curate that experience is exponentially stronger when you effectively leverage technology. And saw the basement was doing those things and growing as a result of it. And so it kind of brought those, uh, those two, paths, um, two paths together. And with part of your career, I mean, a lot of it with the intercollegiate or with the high school, I mean, you were, you were marketing to a young demographic and their parents, but it was a much younger, much uh, trendier, much more aligned to the digital and mobile world than perhaps a lot of other brands uh, that you could have started off working with. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, and our, the space there was, um, you know, the, the, uh, what, what few people really consider is the fact that more people in the United States attend high school sporting events mm -hmm. than do any other uh, sporting event uh, when you, when you classify it at that level, just because the scale, I mean, you've got track meets and swim meets all over the place. So the, the audience there is, is humongous. Right. And technology has afforded us the ability to start to bring some of that together so that it, it creates a marketing opportunity for brands. And, you know, <laughs> the, I'm sure uh, uh, somebody from, from Gillette would love the opportunity to be in the locker room of, you know, locker rooms across the country. Because when you're at that stage where you're starting to make your initial commitments to brands, that is a tremendously strong place to influence and and has you know lifetime value that's um you know difficult to measure yeah i think so that was access got in so heavily right like that is like their demo that they went after that they just conquered that whole world of getting into that youth of male of very heavy spraying where it hides and masks all sorts of orders <laughs> you go through half a bottle it's perfect yeah perfect <laughs> it's a rinse and reuse yeah yeah definitely and that was you know that was really the um, you know, that was the value creation that we were seeking was, was, you know, start to bring together these, these, um, these, this disparate system in such a way that you can, um, you know, amass a large audience, but also create the ability for the, the downstream participants all the way to the school level to uh, generate revenue in a way that they, they hadn't previously, because as an individual school, it's pretty difficult to get the attention of acts, but when you talk about the state of California and all of the high schools, um, then it creates something completely different. Yeah, it's really interesting just diving in, seeing different businesses that have popped up in probably the last five to 10 years where uh, there are companies like the one you were working with that figured out how to approach localized, regionalized marketing on that national scale to enable those sometimes global marketers to be able to actually be interested and want a piece of the pie. Yeah, uh, and it's absolutely still a work in progress. <laughs> I mean, it just the I think uh, one of the a lot things of work. that you yeah, 
and, 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 you know, something we face on a regular basis is there's the, the chasm between the promise of technology and its implementation when you're talking about a broad, uh, a broad audience, a broad set of people who have to participate. That can be a pretty big chasm. <laughs> it can take a long time uh, to bring those things together. I think, um, you know, in, in this immediate uh, time, it's been really, really inspiring to me to see how um, our country has uh, been able to leverage technology in some unique ways to face the pandemic that we are, you know, unfortunately in. But you think about, oh, well, it should be easy to do contact tracing. My phone just talks to your phone and then we'll know. Uh, but the reality of that, you know, is very representative of that chasm because you have to opt in and I have to opt in and all of the various players that, that fill that value chain. This is, it's, that replicates itself on a different scale and ideally with far less uh, important consequences than a pandemic, uh, but across, across a lot of things. And so our kind of the mantra that, that um, you know, we espouse is there's some really, really great opportunity and choosing the right ones and right as defined by its ability to positively influence the experience of your consumer engaging with your brand. Making those right decisions can have a really big impact, uh, but it will not be tomorrow. <laughs> maybe, maybe a couple weeks uh, away, but it won't be tomorrow. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the juice isn't worth the squeeze. You know, there, there, there is value there. Yeah, and you're also, it's hard because you're not working with a traditional mainstream you know, a recipient who is used to working with doing media buying, who's used to working with sponsorship. You're working with a lot of PTA driven um, schools and school boards who don't really necessarily know advertising and marketing and principals of school districts and superintendents of school districts who they know they want to help their communities make more money, but they don't actually know all the processes that need to be placed, even from trafficking, anything, yep. to get everyone on the same page. So I'm assuming that sometimes it's a bit like herding cats. It is. And I think the other, the other piece to the pie is um, the incentives, mm -hmm. rightly, are on educating the youth of America. Yep. Uh, it so happens that extracurricular programs at the high school level uh, time and again, have proven to produce a positive impact on the lives of, of student athletes. And they get cut. They need additional funding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they need yeah. that, actually. They're yeah. the homegrown, the ones where the community actually typically comes forward to help raise the most money for school. Yep. Yep. And so the, and then you just have, you know, they're, they're organized at the state level. Mm -hmm. um, but each state does everything just a little bit differently. And so the financial incentives, the way that the, the state organization is even um, classified and organized is completely, it's a completely diverse um, system in a way that's, that's really unique from what the NCAA has, has been able to, um, to create. And if you look at the, at the value proposition of those two organizations, you wouldn't assume that they should be level. I mean, amateurism at, at different scales. Uh, but when you can bring, you know, a certain level of organization uh, to a diverse set of constituencies like that, there is some potential value that you can create. There's a multi-billion dollar basketball tournament that we'll actually host here in uh, central Indiana in a couple of months that is, is largely, you know, the result of that type of forward strategic work. Okay. 
No, I, I'm fascinated with all the networks that are opening up for schools and what they're doing. I, part of my fascination is my husband um, was a principal and um, administrator of school districts um, for 26 years, an educator, and now he's actually our CEO at our agency. Um, so my fascination kind of dives in a little bit because I've gotten to experience a lot more PTA than I ever thought I would and things that are associated with it and school fundraising and seeing from afar as a brand marketer all the things that schools do wrong. There's so much that schools do wrong. Um, and there's so many ways for brands to come in and be able to help and assist in that. So that's where I have that little bit of an extra fascination. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm yeah. glad you did. I'm always, when um, you know people ask me how I got my career started, I say, well, I'm working in high school sports. It's just kind of like a glaze over because you experience that as an individual on such a finite level, you don't see it as a marketing opportunity outside of the local car dealership or whomever, you know, is intimately involved. But when you think about the fact, starting in the state of Indiana, more people go to high school sporting events than go to Indianapolis Colts game. That's, you go, oh, that, I mean, it makes total sense now. <laughs> right. And I mean, and you're just thinking of high school, but I mean, it extends down to middle school, little league, like there's so yeah. many, it's just, the school district itself, the localization on that level, it's, I think it's a very under leveraged and used um, opportunity because the school administrators can't figure it out. It's not, as you said, the attention's put on education, which is an important thing, but it's just like such a natural opportunity for fundraising and yeah. dollars that just get overlooked. Yeah. <sighs> Well, one step closer to solving it, I guess, is today. So what are some of the digital trends that you are seeing that you're like fascinated with and you think are great or cool or even software or things that you're using at your agency? Um, love the fact that you use the word fascinated because one of our cultural pillars uh, at our agency is called Stay Fascinated. Um, we're headquartered in, in Indiana, which is not typically where uh, brands look for the next great marketing idea. Sure. So the way that we keep our edge and keep on the uh, fastest growing list is by having a culture that really focuses on being fascinated by new and different things, mm -hmm. and then finding the way to put that into place uh, for the diverse set of clients that we that we serve. Mm -hmm. So to your question, um, I I uh, I have sadly I think aged out of the relevancy mm -hmm. of a platform like TikTok. Uh, as much as I would love to say that that isn't the case, um, but I, I still be fascinated by what it's doing. <laughs> yeah. right? It yeah. might not be something that you are getting your own attention to grab, but the platform itself is going to absolutely change how we market to a younger de uh, demographic and generation. Yeah, I, I love the democracy democratization of creativity, yeah. uh, and just the ability for that to be so infectious. And I think a lot of us, you know, look at the time that, you know, maybe we have a, a, a teenage child who's spending <laughs> hours upon hours upon hours uh, on TikTok. There are some positives to come from that experience. If you're doing something and you're creating something, that's turning on a part of your brain that, you know, maybe historically would have been painting or coloring or drawing or something like that. But it's a, just a different, it's a different medium on which you're being creative. I think that is, that's really, really neat. Um, and there's obviously value there to unlock um, for, for branding. I also, I like at least the initial approach that TikTok has taken to the way that um, we're not just going straight to a programmatic environment where it just gets clouded with, with inauthentic stuff, 
but we're really focused on creators mm -hmm. who um, can represent a brand in a much more authentic and holistic fashion. Um, I think that has that has lasting impact in a way that you know half a second of a programmatic insertion just doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you know more broadly where we're shifting is to doing things that have more you know innate value to them um, for the consumer because <laughs> it's not just an ad, but it's a it's some sort of uh, it's some sort of uh, you know curated content. It's so curated I, content that's also endorsed. And so you're getting yeah. it where it actually has that implied endorsement factor that's not from a celebrity, but from a peer. And so that whole word of mouth marketing that we all were so geared up about for so long has just transitioned to online being super, super hyper, hyper critically um, powerful. Yeah, taking the, taking the quarterback <laughs> who uses Axe body spray in the locker room uh, to, to the next level. Right, because his whole team's now using Axe and the, you do not want to walk into the locker room or your eyes are going to burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm also, um, the two other things that, that kind of are, are on, the, on the edge of my interest. Um, I think the, the Twitch platform that's owned by Amazon is a really interesting, uh, another representation of, again, the democratization of our ability to create content in a completely different fashion than TikTok, but um, very authentic relationship between, um, between who leads the channel and their audience in a way that is very, very difficult to replicate uh, across any broader, uh, any broader space. So I think that's a really interesting space. It's a space we've been um, you know, doing, uh, doing our best to, to play around in. Unfortunately, our, well, not unfortunately, um, uh, but our agency doesn't have um, a, a strong uh, set of brands that focus specifically on a very, very youthful uh, demographic. Hey, tomorrow well, <laughs> you know, we serve the education. Uh, we, have a, we have a nice contingent of education clients and that's where it's interesting. Um, but it's also those platforms require so much, so much uh, authenticity in the messaging that we don't want to just go there because that's where the audience is. We want to go there because the audience is there and there's something very relevant uh, and authentic for us to say. Uh, so that's, that's been the, the strategic rub is we know they're there. It's just, how do we, how do we make it uh, worthwhile? Um, then the third thing is uh, all types of mixed reality. Um, we we did um, so we serve the transitions lenses brand uh, in the United States. Our our agency acquired a firm that originated that brand name um, you know thirty or forty years ago, and we've maintained the relationship. And it's a it's a really really um, so in high school when my parents bought me transitions lenses, I hated it, hated every moment of it. And I took them off when I went outside because I looked because I thought I looked silly. And it was so uh, so circular for then, you know, 30 years later for my assignment as an advertising uh, representative was to step in and, and help the brand specifically with that problem. It was just this break that once you got to be 41 years old, you were all in on transitions lenses, but at 39 and a half, absolutely not. And below, absolutely not. I, I um, am that person, by the way. I'm going to give a shout out transitions because I never wear my glasses ever. I wear contacts, but then... A few months ago, I had an eye issue and I had to take them off for the first time since I was in third grade. I didn't wear glasses for like two months. Like I'm not glasses, contacts for like two months. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so happy that I had upsold myself at the eye doctors to the transitions because I was too cheap to be like, 
I never wear glasses, so I should get a pair of sunglasses too. And so I'm like, I never wear glasses. I should get something that does all in one, right? And so I got the transitions. And, and by the way, I hit into your age ranges where I would probably not have done this at 39, <laughs> but 41, no problem, or 46. And so I will tell you, it saved me. I love them. It, they are fantastic. So that's my plug for your client. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. So our, our challenge was your, your use case is so representative of, uh, you know, of that brand, of, of the brand experience um, that, they've, that they've maintained for a period of time. And uh, the challenge that we were, we were given, I think now uh, three or four years ago, was in partnership with a, a number of um, global agencies to bring increase the likelihood to recommend among eye doctors who are under the under that age threshold and uh, you know increase the brand uh, affinity and brand relevance to people uh, in that age group. So we brought forward a concept at this time it was, it was about the time where Snapchat was at the maturity level that TikTok is now when we were when we were doing this. And a colleague of mine was one of the first people to get the Snapchat glasses those yep, big glasses. things yep. that, yeah and um so he had them and you know we were uh, making fun of the whole <laughs> the whole thing he looked goofy but he would he would you know uh, snap uh, us all the time you could get them in vending machines it's very cool what they did. <laughs> talk about a cultural moment of relevancy using pop culture they did it right absolutely and it That's and it true. became the like fascination in our office was yeah. okay this platform, these tools are really, really interesting. How can we do something? So we, cre we, we created um, what at that time was the first try-on experience, uh, both for that brand and to be completely custom written um, within Snapchat. And it was, it was a tremendous uh, success deployed across uh, multiple of their uh, English speaking markets. And it, it was successful in you know, increasing interest coupled with some really, really compelling uh, evolutions to their brand creative that, that rolled out at the same time but to the point of creating an experience you pull roll out that that brand creative there's some really really beautiful television commercials but if you get to the point of actually trying on the product and it doesn't have the same resonance that you saw on television you know that's a pretty that's a pretty embarrassing brand gap so it filled that gap um, and now uh, as you maybe even experience as you were buying your transition you go on the uh, on the website as a consumer and you can do the whole augmented reality try on before you uh, before you visit an eye doctor i did not do that because my eye doctor was not that contemporary but he was like <laughs> contemporary enough to like push the transitions there you go there you go uh, yeah. other areas that you think that there's growth in the digital world for clients right now uh aside from those kind of technological evolutions and where the where the audience is um our focus is obviously, as with the rest of the agency, on how to effectively be privacy forward mm -hmm. and uh, and allow audience information to be something that is both an asset of a brand, but not in a way that is abusive to uh, the consumer. That is a terribly, terribly, terribly sticky um, space to be in. But uh, it is leading down some common paths to the point earlier. Um, what What, you know, cookies and um, third-party data sets have allowed us to do is scale up efficient advertising mm -hmm. at just a tremendous rate. So I can send my message out to um, you know, audience segments with a proclivity to be interested in the product very, very easily, very cost efficiently. Mm -hmm. 
But then when I turn around and I'm the consumer, I put the ad blocker on because it's it's too much. It's too much, and I'm not getting it's I'm not, not getting the value out of it. And I think the the overall trend to being privacy forward uh, in the way that audience is collected and managed puts the onus back on the marketer and on the advertiser to be sure that the message is being communicated is of value to the consumer so that the trade-off that they're making access to content for free in exchange for being the recipient of advertisement feels fair because mm -hmm. when it doesn't feel fair they're going to put the ad blocker on yeah, and transition right it's the same thing yeah. as landing pages where we're trying to get email addresses it's just taking it up a level now with what we're doing with privacy and cookies and the ad blockers where you have to actually be willing instead of paying cash you're paying for your eyeballs. You're paying for your time. You're paying um, as a consumer, uh, yeah. you're, you're giving something in order to get something. So there has to be a value proposition there, which is going to be extremely disruptive for the advertising world because we're not used to that. Yeah, I think too many, too many of us have taken it for granted. We've just assumed that, uh, that we, we take off our own hat as a consumer and we just assume that the people to whom we are marketing will different than us. Yeah, appreciate our appreciate us so much. They love um, us. <laughs> that they'll just accept whatever we want to give them. Sure. And and I, I like that, that 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 paradigm is shifting because at heart, um, you know, I really care about the creative product and that that efficiency in large part was at a loss for the ability to create a really um, unique and creative extension of the brand because you were you had to be so um, systematized right. uh, in in the delivery. And so I think that shift back it it, it makes um, it makes coming up with really cool and interesting, authentic ideas that resonate with uh, a target audience uh, have that much more value because it's not as easy. Right. Um, and, and so I think that puts you know selfishly biasly. Uh, for a firm in the space of of providing consultative marketing services, that increases the value of of the type of thing that we can offer. What are uh, so for our listeners right now? If they want to learn more about you, this is usually where I would <laughs> jump in, and so I'm going to jump in. How can they learn more about your agency, yourself, get in contact with you if they're like, "Hmm, I'm interested," want to learn more? Yeah, so uh, our website is the the best first place to go. Uh, it's uh, the name of our company is The Basement. Our website, uh, because we don't like vowels, is the bsmnt.com. We do like vowels, but one way uh, to get around, you know, limited available website <laughs> domains. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that's a great way to understand a little bit more about what we do functionally. Um, and then, then my platform of preference is uh, LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very fortunate to have a unique name. There aren't very many Ira Mayers. Uh, on LinkedIn. So fairly easy to find me, uh, LinkedIn backslash IN uh, backslash my full name, Ira Mayer. It'll be in the show uh, notes as well. So we'll have that. Perfect. Makes perfect. It easy. Uh, and I, I think the, you know, the, the impetus to be in, in contact is an opportunity to talk about some of these things in a, in a, in a safe way. Our, the mantra of our agency, kind of what we, we do, we obviously are interested in growing our agency. We want to do that in a very value forward way. Um, so it's not a 
pushy aggressive like you have to work from us you have to work with us in order to be able to have a really thought-provoking conversation around marketing and advertising that that that's what we're passionate about so it's easy to obviously as you can tell to get us talking <laughs> and have a good conversation so it's all I good appreciate it. what are some last parting words just because we have to wrap it up what are some last parting words of advice you have for people who are for brands and managers who are figuring out their next digital foray? Central uh, to me is being conscious of the experience, the desired experience of your customer, the consumer, and being honest about where the gaps are in that process. So long-term value is going to be created when you make the experience of the consumer uh, as optimized as possible in, in working with your uh, or engaging with your brand. If you, to, to the point earlier of hats on and consumer hats on and hats off, um, when you put yourself in the shoes of someone who's engaging with your brand, you become intimately aware of where the gaps are. And when you do that, it then makes it much more clear where you can potentially fill those gaps with technological solutions, either new ones or, or better connecting the ones that you have. Um, and more and more so it's the latter uh, because We've all signed up for every SaaS solution that there is um, and are doing pinpoint things of, uh, you know, ad personalization or really robust email campaign, you know, great um, web experience, great social content. Uh, but when those things live siloed from one another, that's how the consumer experiences them. They experience them in these little like hops. Uh, and that's not what we would want as consumers. So. Um, you know, being conscious of what you want and where you are, and then being intentional about filling those gaps in a way that you can effectively manage uh, is a great action step. That is great advice and insight. So thank you. <laughs> well, Ira, thank you. Our time is running short. So I want to appreciate, you know, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I thank you for facilitating the conversation. I obviously okay. love talking about it. Yeah, well, you're good at it. And you definitely are, you know, I, what I love is I didn't expect that our conversation would first deep dive into some of the localized um, ways of advertising, but on a national basis, because I really do think that's something that a lot of brands haven't really wrapped their heads around because they know that, you know, there are options there, but it's not necessarily where their eyeball goes immediately with terms to budget, but it actually can help your community and communities all over the place in a very, very positive way. So I love that we touched on that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning into Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I appreciate your time and I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, have a great week. <laughs>